Romans 5, verses 12 through 14. These are God's words. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was not in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. There is an argument that people who are pushing down, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, pushing down on the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his glory, there's an argument that they make uh, called the problem of evil. If God is all good and God is all powerful, then how can it be that there is such a thing as sin or such a thing as evil? However, they already know that God is all good and God is all powerful. The problem of evil is a problem for those who do not receive the Lord's own witness as to how sin and evil came about. The Lord's own witness as to his own righteousness and goodness as to how there is such a thing as good to begin with. There is no explanation for it apart from the God who has made himself known and made his divine attributes to be clearly seen in the things that are made. For the believer, however, sin and death, as we find out in this passage, are actually used of God to assure us of righteousness and life in our Lord Jesus Christ. For the scripture tells us, the scripture gives the only reasonable explanation for how it came to be that we are sinners, that we sin, that we come into this world spiritually dead already, and that we physically die as a consequence of our spiritual death. The scripture gives us the only reasonable explanation for spiritual and physical death. And so this passage attests to that spiritual and physical death. This passage gives us the explanation for how it is that we came to be spiritually dead and how we came to be those who physically die. And this passage tells us that the Lord has Uh, ordained that sin would enter the world this way and death would enter the world this way so that we might have a picture ahead of time of how Christ brings righteousness and life to all who believe in him. So we're going to consider the passage under those three uh, headings this evening, those three ideas. First, the reality and 
uh, origin of spiritual and physical death, uh, the explanation uh, of how they came to be in the second place, and then in the third place, the solution, which is our union with Christ. First then, the reality of spiritual and physical death. The text says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, and you're expecting a so also or much more or even so. And it's the last one that we're going to get finishing the idea, but we don't get it until verse 18. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. The idea that the apostle is going to complete is that the Lord Jesus hasn't just turned back the clock. He hasn't just neutralized what Adam did. He, he hasn't uh, taken us to a place where it is as if we had never sinned. No, the Lord Jesus has positively uh, not only atoned for our sin in Adam, but positively provided his righteousness so that where sin abounds, grace superabounds. That's where the apostle is going. And yet, he takes the time to give us the comparison between Adam and Christ. A comparison that we're actually not really going to get into uh, until the next two weeks, where we get three ways in which uh, the first Adam and the last Adam are different, or their federal representation was different in verses 15 through 17, and then two ways in which they were similar uh, in verses 18 and 19, and then he's going to get to grace super abounding. For tonight, however, he just establishes that Adam is a type of Christ. He establishes that we really were in Adam, that we sinned in him and we fell with him. And this is obvious because of spiritual and physical death. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. In fact, they sinned greatly until the law sin was in the world. But the question is, how did they come to be sinners? How could God justly righteously have brought in brought them into the world already spiritually dead sin and death did not enter through the mosaic law or by the mosaic law it was thousands of years between adam and moses and yet we read of much sinning between adam and moses indeed we read of much dying you remember, don't you, the way the genealogies keep saying, and he died, and he died, 
And he died. And he died. So sin was in the world as evidenced by physical death. And sin itself is evidence of spiritual death. In Ephesians 2, the apostle twice says that we were dead in trespasses or dead in trespasses and sins. That that is the way that we all come into this world. And so sin and death did not enter through or by the Mosaic law. Sin and death entered through Adam. Men have been sinning and dying since Adam, since our first father. You too are a sinner. You came into this world spiritually dead, unable to desire the glory of God above all things, to love, unable to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Unable to hate your sin and unable to do anything about the inconvenience of your sin and what it cost you. This is how we came into the world. We sin because we are sinners. Indeed, we were conceived as sinners. We were sinners from an embryo. The first moment that we came to be. We were already sinners. We were already spiritually dead. This is a reality. It's really not deniable any more than God is deniable. Men try, but we know that it's true. And so how is it that we came to be spiritually dead sinners? Or to use the language of verse 12, how is it that sin entered the world? And how is it that we died? The answer of verse 12 is that it's through one man. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And that's what was expected. That's what God said. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And he did. Immediately that day, spiritually die, which is the greater death, isn't it? And of course, on the day that he sinned, Adam also started physically dying. And so... Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and thus death spread to all men. In other words, the first great pandemic occurred on the day of the fall. The disease of death spread to all of Adam's ordinary posterity, all those descending from him by ordinary generation. And we wouldn't even have to say it that way except there is one extraordinary man who did not descend from him by ordinary generation. But the disease of Adam's spiritual death immediately spread to all of us. Why? Because we all sinned in him. How do we know that it was in him that we sinned? How do we know that it was in him that the curse 
the threat, the punishment, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, came to all of us? Well, I can answer that with a question. Instructed, of course, by verse 14. Have you eaten the forbidden fruit? Dear children, have you eaten the forbidden fruit? Have you, like I did when I was a child, wonder what the forbidden fruit was like? It certainly was not an apple. Probably, biblically, the best guess is a pomegranate, just because of the decorations inside of the tabernacle, if we still have it, which we don't know. It wasn't a special sort of collection of fiber and seeds and flesh and juice. It was a special tree because God designated it. And because Adam was forbidden to eat from it, it could have been the tree of the knowledge of good. The tree of the knowledge that God is good and we are dependent upon him and God is wise and his commandments are wise and if he says not to eat of it, that's a good command. It became for us the tree of the knowledge of evil, the tree of trying to determine for ourselves what good and evil are. Well, I asked you if you had eaten of the forbidden fruit, and you probably said at first no. And then hopefully you said, well, I can see where the passage is going. I might have even snuck a peek at the outline. The answer is yes. I have eaten of the forbidden fruit. I wasn't there. Didn't use my mouth. Didn't use my teeth. Didn't use my eyes. Don't know what it looked like. Don't know what it tasted like. But I was in my first father, Adam. He was representing me. The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but all for all of his posterity, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generation sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. Indeed, a well-catechized, shorter catechism child who is able to repeat those sentences can avoid the mistakes that many have made about how sin and death entered the world, can summarize the truth that we have here we sinned in Adam and we died in Adam. And that's why we come into this world already spiritually dead. Is because we died in the one who represented to us. We were united to him through his being our father. Gloriously, however, we are united to Jesus through faith in him through him being our Savior. And we'll hear more about that. We'll think more about that, especially in the next couple of weeks when we have those three ways in verses 15 through 17 in which Adam's disobedience and Christ's obedience uh, were, uh, were different. And then the two ways that they were similar in the following week, Lord willing, Three weeks later, Lord willing, um, we won't be uh, with you for two weeks. Um, but the two ways that they're similar in verses 18 and 19.
But for tonight, we see that just as through one man sin entered the world, and it tells us we were in Adam when he sinned, we sinned in him. And death came to us by union with Adam because that was the right response, that was the just punishment, that was the threat. (coughs) We did not sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. No, we sinned in Adam when he transgressed. And so that's how sin entered the world and how death spread to all men because all sinned. And so this confirms for us that it is possible for one man to represent a multitude of men. One man to sin and all of us to die, to sin in him and to die in him. But praise God, one man to obey. And if you have been justified by faith, verse 1, then you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just through his death, not just through his suffering the wrath of God in our place, not just through his rising again from the dead, not just through his paying by blood what needed to be paid, not just by his fixing all that was broken in the relationship, but through him himself. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are in Jesus. You are united to Jesus. It is joined to him that you have peace with God. You don't have a brokered peace that is separate from his own peace. You have Jesus' own peace with God because your peace with God is in union with Christ. If you have been justified through faith in Jesus, then it is through him that you have access by faith into the grace in which we stand through him himself. And of course, the last through him in verse 11, which is what uh, triggers or occasions the passage that we're in tonight. If you have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ, then you have reconciliation through him. Remember that at the end of last week's passage, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Not just through his death, although that's true in verse 10, but through him himself, that you are as reconciled to God as Jesus is, because your reconciliation with God is in Jesus, is through Jesus, is by union with Jesus this doctrine, this truth of union with Christ, this reality, that when we believe in him, we don't just get benefits that he has earned for those who who come into them through believing. He hasn't just earned benefits for us to have. But believing gives you him and union with him. And so it is something that you have in a shared life with Jesus Christ. 
the Spirit joins us to him by faith. And so the solution to sin and death is to have a federal head or representative who is not in the first Adam. This is why we must insist upon the truth, the reality of federal headship. Do you know how Eve fell? Eve fell, or Eve became a covenant breaker in her covenant head. It was through Adam that Eve died. Now she sinned, and she became a transgressor. But it was her representative who was her head. All of us sinned in Adam and died in Adam. All except, of course, the Lord Jesus. This is why it is necessary that he be born of a virgin. This is why it is necessary that we fight for this truth. All of those who are trying to get rid of that which is miraculous, that which uh, unbelieving man uh, refuses to admit, think of course, or, or we think of course, of the theory of evolution and how it just does not uh, something that can be reconciled with Genesis 1 and 2. Because God created all things by no, out of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days. If they have a problem with evolution, they're going to have a problem with the virgin birth. And if they have a problem with evolution, they're going to have a problem with God being born at all, virgin or otherwise. If they have a problem with evolution, they're going to have a problem with the resurrection. We insist upon the virgin birth because the scriptures teach it. But we must theologically insist upon the virgin birth because if Jesus was in Adam, then Jesus sinned in him and Jesus died with him. No, we need a righteous Jesus. We need a spiritually alive Jesus. We need him to be our righteousness and our life. And indeed he is. And so it was necessary that he be born of a virgin. It was necessary that he act for all of his people. That all of his obediences were for those who are his. We don't just believe in particular atonement or limited atonement. We believe in particular obedience. We believe in particular life. We believe in particular resurrection. Jesus came as a representative of all who were his, all who would be brought to faith because he gives them his spirit to give them life and faith in himself. The work of the Lord Jesus on the cross cannot be separated from his obedience or his resurrection or his pouring out of his spirit, or his spirits giving life, or his spirits giving faith, or even working backwards, it cannot be separated from those whom the Father loved and chose for himself in his Son that they might be holy and blameless before him, that they might be conformed to the image of his Son, it is nonsense to say that the Lord Jesus has atoned 
for every single human being. But it is precious Bible truth to say he has atoned for every single one of his people whom he would bring to faith in himself. And it is precious Bible truth to say he obeyed for every single one of his people. He is a federal representative. He is a public person, to use an old phrase. He acted in our behalf. And when we believe in him, we find that we are joined to him in all of his actions. Just like we were joined to the first Adam in his sinning. And so we're joined to Jesus in all of his actions and we're joined to Jesus in receiving his benefits. Jesus was not in the covenant of works. Jesus was not in the covenant in the garden. He has fulfilled for us the covenant of works because he has taken the penalty that we deserved in Adam. And so in that sense, he's fulfilled it, but he wasn't in it. He didn't fulfill it for himself. He suffered what it required because we were in it and because we are his. And so we get an explanation for why verses 12 through 14 happened the way they did. Why the covenant of works? Why Adam representing us and uh, and our his sinning and our sinning in him and his dying and our dying in him? It was in part so that we could see and learn and know something about Jesus because of something that we know is true about Adam. The end of verse 14, who is a type of him who was to come. Did you catch the tense? And it is a verb with present tense. Adam still is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He still is a federal head. His sinning and dying still brings sinners into this world who are spiritually dead. It's not that he was a type. Every single one who comes into this world continues to come into this world with Adam as their federal head in a covenant that must be satisfied. But the only way for it to be satisfied for you is if you have Jesus as your federal head. If you come to believe in him and have him as your representative and you're joined to him, then finally the covenant of works will be satisfied for you. And there will be no more dying, you shall die to pay for you. There will be no wrath of God against your sin in Adam as a covenant breaker. And you will be delivered Adam himself was delivered from having himself as a covenant head. But we'll think more about that later. What verse 14 concludes by saying, 
is that the Lord did it this way so that we could see that reality that is a lot easier for us to lay hold of, that we are sinners who are dead, and say, God did it this way so that I would know that just as I am a sinner in whom there is death remaining because I was in Adam when he sinned and I was in Adam when he died and I sinned in him and I died in him so I can know that as I believe in Jesus Christ I was in Jesus when he obeyed and I was in Jesus when he died on the cross and I was in Jesus when he rose again from the dead and that's actually the only explanation for how there's any life in me. You see, the Christian has a philosophical problem. The problem of good. How can it be that I've begun to love God? That I've begun to hate sin? That all of my frustration with my remaining sin comes from a desire that I would be rid of it? because I hate it and I love God. We get the answer in Romans 8, we've been called according to his purpose. It's the work of God that has joined me to Jesus through faith. Yes, regeneration precedes faith because he does it all. But the life that I have in me for hating sin comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's difficult, I think, for believers to believe that they're alive in the face of all your struggle against sin, in the face of your continued and repeated defeat and failure. It's often very difficult, isn't it, to be sure that he who began the good work in me will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And so isn't it marvelous that God, even by the way we sinned and fell in Adam, gave us a type. A type is an example. It's something that God does first because of what he's going to do second in the Lord Jesus. It's a, it's a foreshadowing. We're going to sing of David uh, as a type of Christ. It is certain that you are spiritually, or that you were spiritually dead, that you came into this world spiritually dead, and that you still have sin and death at work in you. It is certain that you deserve hell. The wrath of God has been revealed against your unrighteousness and ungodliness. But in the gospel, God has revealed his own righteousness and salvation in the Son of God who became the Son of David in order to be the last Adam. And we'll hear more about that solution, Lord willing, in coming weeks.